Shalom and welcome everybody to the Unexpected Cosmology Thursday Night Live. School is in session. Now, earlier today, I posted a picture in the family album here in the Discord page showing Rick Hummer and his wife, Tabitha, with Dave Marsh, Paul on the Plane, and myself. And that was taken in Dallas in 2019, just about two months before COVID took off. Uh, really, the, the great one of the greatest psyops in human history had already been a go at that point. N none of us knew about it. But it was at that bar, perhaps that very hour, when uh, Rick Hummer, who is the guest tonight, first introduced me to this mud flood theory. Now, I talked about that a little bit the last time he came on, so I don't need to repeat it again. However, I do want to state this before we before we start. This last week, my wife and I uh, moved down to Florida, and we're living in our RV right now. Hopefully, I get good internet and there's no hiccups. This is our seventh annual in the year in our RV because we're strange like that, and we like moving out of our house and living in our RV. Well, last Sunday, when I arrived here in, uh, in Florida, I got the terrible news that my friend, Sean Matthews, died. Sean Matthews was just a few years older than me. He wasn't that much older. And it was soon after that photo was taken that I was... So Rick Hummer introduces Mud Flood and Tartaria to me. I was on the phone with Sean Matthews, and he's the one responsible for really selling me on it. He actually brought it up on the phone. And, um, and I was like, sell me. Sell, sell me on this Mud Flood thing. And I could hear him grin on the other side. And he, for the next hour, he just, he just un unleashed it on me. And one of the things I always remember he said was that he said that he believed that this society that lived before the mud flood was a peaceful, loving society. And my first response to him was, um, that's impossible because they're all a part of the beast government. They, they couldn't have been peaceful. And then, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, there's only one peaceful government I can think of, and that's the messianic government. Um, and Sean Matthews is, he would actually, uh, he actually appreciated this when I said this. He was, I referred to him as my red pill dealer. And uh, a lot of you know that I, I published a book with Zen Garcia recently called uh, The Hidden Hand of Camelot. And Sean Matthews was responsible for much of that research. He was like a research partner for me. He was the one that first introduced me to the idea that JFK was never assassinated, that it was all a hoax. He was the one that first took me through the Sapruder film footage, and he never wanted credit for it. But if you actually read the article or saw it in the book, I end it with a picture of Jimmy Carter inferring the possibility that Jimmy Carter really is John F. Kennedy. And I know that's a wild assumption to make and you know it may or may not be true i don't know but that was me paying homage to sean matthews because he was adamant that jimmy carter is john f kennedy um and so uh i just want to kind of dedicate tonight's show to sean matthews again he died suddenly it was a heart attack he was on the phone his wife said he just dropped he was dead on the spot and it's just a reminder to all of us that we don't know um which day you know day to day when our life will be called and how long we have to live all we have to do is uh 
live the best we can for our Savior, for Yahuwah, uh, the Most High, and be obedient to Him, because we never know when we're going to get called home. So this is dedicated to John Matthews. Now tonight, I have... Uh, Rick Hummer, as a guest, as I mentioned before, I bring him on to talk because he has a lot he wants to say. He was, <laughs> uh, it was last Thursday, I was talking to Rick on the phone, and he was literally melting my my brain. Like it was like he was talking, and I'm like, this is incredible stuff. And I stopped him. I said, "Where are you getting this information from, and who have you told this to?" And and I, I can't even remember his response, but I was like, you, you, we've got to get you on. We've got to talk about this because people need to hear about this. And I think all of you will really appreciate what he has to say tonight. I do. Does anybody, before we get started, I do want to pray. And does anybody have a shofar available? Polly, do you have a shofar with you tonight? I, um, I've got one, no. All right, so let's go ahead and pray quickly, and then when I when I say my amen, feel free to blow it or give it a give it a loud toot. Our dearest Father in heaven, Yahuwah, the Most High Elohim, we come before you tonight, um, appreciative of uh, thanking you for making yourself known to us. I mean, it is a gift just to know you, and we know that it is you alone who awaking awaken the eyes and the hearing ears of of each set apart. Saint, uh, it is only you that brings us back into the fold, into Israel, and uh, we just pray that we would continually be repentant of our sins, that we would turn away from the ways of the world, um, and that we would find your ways beautiful, that we would understand that your Torah, your law is a reflection of who you are, it is a reflection of your face, and we want to be obedient to you because we want to spend an eternity with you. Uh, so I pray that you would bless this discussion we have tonight, that you would lead us to all truth, and amen. 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 All right. I heard <laughs> I heard I heard some uh I heard it going down. So I think that's I think that's good. And also one more thing before I bring Rick Hummer on, I do want to give a um, a book giveaway tonight. I promise that, and I want to give a book away each and every week to those who come. So, the last few weeks we've been reading from extra biblical literature. We read from the Revelation, uh, Revelation of Moshe, uh, the test, the Testament of Job, and the Infancy Gospel of Yaakov. Um, now, two of those books. Are, can be found in a book called Testaments of the Patriarchs and Prophets, which is put out by Sacred Word Publishing, and it's edited by Zen Garcia. So I will be handing that out tonight. Dave, are you able to... Um, how long would it take for you to compile a list and, um, and do a drawing? Give me one minute. Okay, so we have one minute. The good news is, is that when we... Uh, put this video onto YouTube, I can just cut all this out. So when Dave says, give me one minute, it'll be like two seconds later, and it'll be like, boom, it'll just do it. It feels like we're the audience just waiting for the uh, little sign to light up saying, like, applaud. All right, I'm, yeah. I'm hitting the button. And the winner is... Donkey. All right, Zach, I'm going to be sending you a copy, and... I'm not sure that I actually do have your address, so be sure to send me your address. I will send this. I think you're really going to like this book. It's going to be a hardback. It's going to have tons of really amazing reads in it. So 
Thank you for showing up tonight and listening. Okay, with that, I want to bring on Rick Hummer. Oh, yeah, I'm going to read um, this passage first. This is going to be our, our theme verse, I think, for the night. And hopefully, Rick will kind of steer us back into this verse later. This comes from Proverbs 20.12. So think of, the, think of the 20 and the 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, Yahuwah hath made even both of them. All right, with that... Uh, Rick, are you there? I am here, Noel. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate everybody's uh, encouragement and just looking forward to uh, everybody spending some time together. I always look at shows like this as fellowship and a learning time and a growing time. So I just, uh, I humbly thank you for having me on and uh, also your friendship. So there you go. Well, you I appreciate me? it. Yeah, I appreciate it too. So, um, we, I'm going to just hand it over to you, uh, Rick, and we wanted to obviously talk about the mud flood tonight and its relationship to uh, perhaps whether or not the Millennial Kingdom happened. It's something we're definitely looking into. Uh, we don't have concise answers on that, um, but it's something we're obviously not afraid to look into as a possibility. So um, take it away. What are your thoughts? Well, I guess the first and foremost, I mean, I am, you know, last time we spoke, you know, I said, you know, somewhat at ground zero, just like I think anybody, uh, we've all seen the same images now. Some of us have actually seen them in person uh, of the buildings that are, you know, three, four stories below ground with windows on the exterior walls. You can obviously see there's devastation in the early photos. There's mud on the streets. We've all seen that. Uh, and it's a touchy subject anyway with Christians because a lot of people don't even know about this. Um, you know, if I hadn't been told by a high school teacher about the 1812 earthquake, and I remember that vividly because years later there was something on TV about it, and I remember going, oh, yeah, I remember uh, Mr. Mawson talking about that. Uh, I would have never, it would have never gravi- I would have never actually gravitated toward the subject, I don't think. So I believe that everything that happens has a purpose uh, in our lives if we're looking at it and we can retain it and um, obviously not afraid to hear about it again. There's your Proverbs 2012 coming in already. So it's it's one of those things where when you see this, you know, obviously the first question I had is, well, how does this fit into Scripture? Where where could it fit into Scripture if something like this happened where there's a, a worldwide quote-unquote mud flood? What would even cause the mud? What, what, you know, where, where, were there mountains? Where, was there landslides? Was, I mean, I've seen the video here recently of the mud floods overseas, or you know, whatever you want to call them, the, the landslides, and it's just literally, it's just like the whole ground is moving. Um, so I just look at it from a standpoint of going, it's a very interesting topic, especially when you bring in the biblical properties to it. And I think many of us have been humbled uh, in our lives knowing that, some of the things that not only did we believe, but we, we studied for, we, you know, we, we studied our butts off to get good grades on our tests. Some of us didn't study, some of us did, but I'm saying when you go through your whole, you know, uh, early age, teen, you know, preteens, teenage years, all the way until you're 18 years old, you're being tested on regurgitating the information that you've been given. And then you have pop culture backing it. And you have, you know, uh, you know, obviously family discussions, you know, if you even get 
that far on, on, you know, that type of deep stuff. And what I found is I don't find a lot of people that are interested in it because they've not been uh, introduced to it. And it's still fairly new. I mean, you're talking about Dallas. I mean, I wasn't that much further along looking into it than when you and I sat and we were talking about that, Noel. And that's, that was one of those things. I'm like, have you seen this yet? Because I knew I'm like, Noel will dive into this if he sees it. And I'm glad you did because I think you and I were talking on the phone. I don't know how many months ago it was now, but I actually said that to you. I said, uh, Hey, um, is it possible that the millennial rain already happened? And, and I remember right away you were like, dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it was just, it was one of those things like, okay, because it just kind of came, came to, to mind uh, that, that whole thing. And, um, if that's the case, first and foremost, why did I even think that? Where did that thought even come from? I, I've never really thought that deep about that. Um, but what a, what an incredible hiding that's gone on for how many generations now do we even know? And, you know, what's always intrigued me is the dark ages. The dark ages is something that's always intrigued me. Um, because it always made me, I always thought that the, the, you know, it's like, okay, if they lost count of the year, but all of a sudden they say, oh, no, there's 500 years missing. How did they know it was 500 years when they started counting again? Somebody didn't quit counting if they knew it was 500 years. And so none of that ever made sense. And one of the, one of the uh, things that always came to mind is how they'll change, you know, times and times and seasons. Uh, is it times and seasons? What's, what's the exact verbiage? Oh, I should have pulled that up. Uh, I think it's times, times and seasons. Am I right on that? Can somebody help me on that? I, I can't see the chat because I'm on a phone. Somebody uh, could look that up. Times and laws. Times and laws. Ordinances. Ordinances. Okay. So, so is that does that only pertain to um, you know one kingdom? Does that pertain to uh, the entire world? I mean, where I guess contextually, I need to to look that up. But that's something that popped into my head on on that because if that's the case, boy, wouldn't things change if the millennial reign happened? Wouldn't ordinances change if the millennial reign happened, and all of a sudden somebody else is unleashed? And my question then is, where does where does everybody go? Where does Jesus take everybody? Where does Yeshua take everybody? Where do they go? What, what happened? And where are they at? And are we are we doomed because we missed it? Uh, the, the, you know, and I've, I've heard people say this. Noel, you brought this up. There's people that say, "Oh, you're taking you're taking away the hope, the hope, the hope, the hope." But what hope? What hope are you talking about? Something you can take? Aren't isn't the main goal eternal? Isn't the main goal, so whether it's the mud floods or because of the product of the millennial, the end of a millennial reign and, uh, you know, say that, uh, you know, that somebody's unbound and here we are, um, if that, and, and if that's the case, we could be actually getting, we're actually closer to spending eternity with Jesus and, uh, you know, with Yeshua. And I, I just look at that and go, here we are, we're at a point in time where, and I said this today to Noel on the phone. If if people are so threatened to discuss this, I don't know why. Because whether or not the millennial reign happened already, whether we're quote-unquote in it, or whether it's yet to come, our main goal should be to spend eternity 
with our Messiah. And our love shouldn't change for him if the calendar is different to us than what is reality. In other words, our main focus, no matter what the reality is of this, we, should, we have to love the Most High more than anything or anyone. And we need to love the truth. And that's why we're all here, I believe. I, I don't think that there's a, uh, you know, even people that aren't in this chat tonight uh, that might be listening. The reason why you're listening is because you're looking for answers. You, and you don't get that on your own. And, the, and maybe I can jump into that Proverbs twenty twelve, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them, or Yahuwah made uh, even both of them. If, in fact, people are waking up to so many things right now, and their eyes and ears are working like they've never worked before, then maybe we're, maybe we're on to something. Maybe this is part of the God revealing and his spirit being poured out o over all the nations. You know, maybe we are in the last days. Maybe there is a wrath getting ready to get poured out. And that would add to that real quick. Yeah. So we were talking earlier today, and what one of the things I am getting from some of the people who oppose this discussion is they do bring up that I am I and others who are proposing this are taking people's hope away. You know, we are and we are, you know, we're just this big Debbie Downer, and it's like Wait a second here, because in Second Ezra, it talks about how that the earth is this womb that that all these souls are are proportioned to their time. We were appointed to this time, and I could yes. look back through history and go, "Man, I missed out on Eden." Oh, you know, Adam and Eve screwed that one up, or oh, I wish I was on the mountain of worship. Or what about being in the presence of Yahuwah at Mount Sinai? You know, with the, mm -hmm. with the trumpets blasting, the fire, and the pillar of fire going over the... If I could pick any generation to be in that I missed out on, it would be crossing the Red Sea and the wilderness generation. But then beyond that, you have like, you know, hanging out with Elijah, Eliyahu, or uh, how about Yahusha? There's a good one. And all these things happened, and I wasn't a part of it. And so, I can't choose where I'm appointed to be in history, but... It, the outcome is still the same. The decision is I have to choose the blessing or the curse. And, you know, I have to make that decision to take the narrow path, whether I'm, you know, the sons of Adam, the sons of Noah, the sons of Abraham, whoever, they all had to make that decision. And, and here we are. It's like we were discussing earlier that we are just, I think you would phrase it, uh, Rick, that we're basically like the, the preface of the first paragraph of a of a entire volume of history, like the story hasn't even begun to be told yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I said the story hasn't even started yet. I mean, when you talk about eternity, because if in fact we are at no matter what, if we are at at, at that brink, whether it's almost the millennial rain time or post, and and now here we are, we're watching Satan do his thing, or or I should say, our adversary do do these wonders that we, we we're all wondering how are they doing this how are people falling for this how is this happening well i can tell you this it doesn't matter uh what time it is you just hit the nail on the head our job and our our, our main goal is to make him our main reference to every single thing every single facet and yes if it's eternity that we're talking about we're not even on chapter one yet because eternity hasn't started and so we are the preface. We're the preface of the entire 
like you said, the novel or the entire library that we don't even have a we can't we don't even have a clue what that's going to be like. We can't even fathom how wonderful that's going to be. So uh, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it's true. It's 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 we're not we're not in eternity yet, guys, and that's the whole thing, and that's our main goal. Our main goal is to you know pray to be found worthy every day and to. Uh, do the best that we possibly can. And I, like, I think I said last time I fell miserably. I, I fell miserably. I, I'm, I'm no way, no how can I step out of a boat and walk on water. I know that that's not even possible without him there. I'd be, I'd be sinking like Peter, you know, <laughs> you know, what am I doing? <laughs> so uh, it, it's one of those things where, where we're at right now. I look at it this way. I'm seeing things and, and where there's, there's, so many things, the, the biblical cosmology side of it, you know, with the firmament and all that, you know, well, how many years ago was it that it popped off like six, uh, five, six, seven years ago that it, that it started uh, and people started waking up to it and it just spread like wildfire. Then I, I started seeing the mud flood things kind of start to pick up right before that conference and that picked up. And now here we are, we're talking about germ, uh, germs and viruses and exosomes and proteins and stuff like that. And I, I look at that and go, wow, here we are. We're at that point in time where we're, we're seeing things unfold right before our very eyes. And here, here we are. We're wondering how it happens. Somebody's pulling off some wondrous things. And uh, how the world is falling for it, I don't know. Except for the fact that God Almighty, the Most High, our Creator, says, I will send a strong delusion. That if it were possible, even the very elect could be deceived. And I think the more that we put the pieces together, the more that we show the most high that we are looking for the truth, that we are seeking him out. I don't know too many people that will look at the mud flood and not want to reference it to scripture if they're true truth seekers. And that's not to knock anybody. But my point is, is that no matter who you are, if you are truly seeking the truth, you are going to find yourself coming to know Christ more than you realize and probably quicker than you realize because nobody has eyes and ears for it on their own. God makes them, Proverbs 20.12 tells us this, that he makes them and he's the one that will actually start acting on a person. He's the one that calls action and action. Here we go. And, and you start to change and you start to want to see these things. And you, you start to, you're able to swallow, you know, one red pill after another. Boom, 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 boom. And as that happens, as you continue to, to, to learn things, I don't know how you can't, I don't know how anybody can be on the quote unquote, label themselves a truther and not have Yeshua in the mix. I just don't know how you can do it. I don't know how anybody can do it. Because that's where it's going to lead you in the long run anyway. If you're really, truly seeking out the truth, that's where you're going to go. And so if, if in fact, we're getting closer to an actual, say, Isaiah 66, 15 incident where God's going to render his anger with fury and flames of fire with his chariots uh, and plead with all flesh, if that's where we're at, I'm okay with it. It's not taking my hope away. If, if we're on the verge, of the millennial kingdom coming down and Christ saying, hey, everybody, come on, let's go. Get in here for a while. I got, got some things going on here and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
share some things. And he's built all these structures all over the world. And we missed out on that. And something happened that the mud started to cover it up. Or maybe that's what Satan did was he was trying to cover up the kingdoms with some, I, I don't know. I can't play the what if game. But my point is, is that no matter where we're at, we, we have to give God credit, you know, the most high credit where credit is due. And that is that he is, he is the one that knows every hair on our head. He's the one that knows when the sparrow is going to fall out of the sky. He knew us before the foundations of the earth. He knew us before any of that. And that's in Romans eight twenty nine. for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he may be the firstborn among many brethren. So before God even made any of this, maybe even before his face, before he moved over the face of the deep, maybe before even that, he already had us in mind for this time, this elected time for us to be a place to no matter what your birth date is, for you to be placed in that womb nine months before you popped out into this world or onto this scene. God knew you way back then. So I don't know how that can take anyone's hope away at all. To me, that argument, and I'll be honest, that argument sounds very selfish and prideful. And it sounds like somebody doesn't want to have to go back and rebut anything that they've taught or said. Because uh, I'm open to I'm open to it. Can I uh, jump in for just two seconds? Um, it's interesting you guys are talking about hope. Um, I was literally having a conversation with my mom, I think a day or two ago, honestly. And she was juxtaposing hope and faith and that they are actually almost polar opposites and yahusha calls us to have faith and faith is action um and where hope is very passive hope is like oh i'm really wishing that this will happen all by itself and i'll be taken care of whereas faith is like i'm gonna do stuff and 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 follow the commands and be obedient and do the will and then things are gonna happen it's a, it's it's two di very different concepts, and so I would almost say, if someone says you're taking away so like oh you're taking away our hope, maybe they shouldn't have that hope. Maybe they should have faith instead and be doing actions and doing works and and making making you know making things with their hands and and building relationships and stuff like that as opposed to sitting back and just waiting for you know Messiah to come. He's gonna come when he comes. Watch and wait, but that doesn't mean you just sit back and do nothing, right? Right. I, I agree. I, I think, and, and that is true. I think that hope, uh, if there, anyone can have hope, I hope, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I hope, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, we get a new puppy. I hope, you know, there's so many things we can hope about, but to have faith is another, is, it, you're right. I, I love that. Thank you for that. Because that's, um, I'm going to use that. That's a great, did, where, no, wait, did you say your mom said that? Yeah, my, my mom was reading uh, some of Paul's stuff, and I don't want to get into con the, the controversial intro of Paul's writings, but she was reading some of Paul's stuff, and he's very uh, pro-hope. Um, and then she was juxtaposing that with Yahushua's, what Yahushua said when he was on the earth, and that his almost everything he said is rooted in faith. Like, faith and act. Do the thing that I tell you to do. Be obedient to the Father. Um, whereas a lot of what Paul says is just like, I, you know, you read his stuff, you see hope all over the place. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> so I yeah, that's first all with it, seeing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't think David had hope that he would beat Goliath. Exactly. I don't think he had hope that he was going to take down Goliath. I don't think so. I think he knew, and he had faith. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So Rick, Rick, you had had made the comment earlier about finding Yahusha, you know, Yahusha being the the driving point of truth. And if the flat earth movement, uh, which is kind of a funny statement to say the flat earth movement, because flat earth implies geocentricism, so you can't really have movement. But if, if the flat (laughs) earth, if the flat earth taught me anything, it's that they're hiding the creator. And so yes. when when I came to the mud flood and I saw this worldwide huge event where you have these buildings all over the world, there are these huge dome Corinthian pillars on every single continent, and you see on every single continent where you know there are these buildings buried by a, you know twelve feet, two stories, you know twelve twenty feet, and and it's not written in any history books. The first thing that I started asking myself is. Are they trying to hide the creator? And that, of course, brings us back to, I mean, why else? Like, if there was a worldwide disaster, why wouldn't they report on it, right? So what? whatever they're trying to hide, I think it goes far beyond what most mud flooders are talking about, saying, well, they're trying to cover up free energy or whatever, which they are. They are trying to hide free energy from us. But that that is... Um, clearly not the scope of this conspiracy just like you know flat earth isn't a free conspiracy i mean a free energy thing either right so when we understand if we can if we can fathom the fact that they are lying to us about this in every city you anybody who's listening to this you can go test this out for yourself and go to any city in america that is an old city like boston uh probably chicago los angeles uh, there's cities probably here in Florida, St. Augustine and others, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, um, all oh, throughout like. the Midwest, uh, Springfield, all throughout the Midwest. You go to any of these old cities, and you're going to find that they are buried, that there are – in all these old buildings, they are buried below the street surface, and there is nothing in our history books that talk about this. And if you can start to fathom that they are hiding the creator, you can start to see what we are proposing here, that there was the actual physical reign of the Messiah um, on the earth. And this is one of the reasons I get frustrated when people are calling me like in a box label. They're calling me a preterist or a, or a partial preterist. Um, yes, it is true that there are some bullet points that I do agree with on a partial preterist um, position, but you could find that I have uh, agreements with uh, on bullet points of things that uh, probably the evangelical Christians teach, uh, probably the Mormons, uh, the Hebrew roots, and all sorts of things. You know, so it's like, well, why not just call me? <laughs> why not just call me any of those, right? If we're going to throw labels at people, the, the, what we're advocating here is not that the millennial reign is a spiritual uh, reign in any way, shape, or form. It is a, it was a physical on the earth reign. Um, and I, I want to give this back to you, Rick. But I was thinking about this today that one of the things that hasn't really been discussed, and we don't need to go down this trail, but Anyone who looks into uh, the the missing thousand years on coins, um, tombstones, maps, and how uh, we will say like, well, this year is like twelve thirty seven or fourteen fifty two, and really it's an I or a J 
for Jesus or uh, Jesus or X for Christos. Um, and that you can totally see there where there was history went up to like the 700s, apparently, and then boom, something happened and then it picks up again a thousand years later and they just continue the flow again. Um, it was it was because of it was because of wooden nickels and they floated away in the mud flood. Okay, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, like, you know, it, yeah, it, it is. I, I never even heard that about the coins, and that's intriguing. I mean, that to me is like, wait, what? So yeah, yeah. So huh. it's interesting because even up into the 1700s, and there are graves in America, like in in the New England area. Where you can go and you could see, um, it'll be like the year 1787, somebody died. But if you look closely, the one is actually an I. For like the year of Jesus uh, 786 or something like that. And they just, they, they you know, tell us that it's a, it's a one. And so really, it looks like history in our past in my past videos on the Enochian calendar where I actually believe that there was about 700 years that uh, after Messiah ascended to the heavens according to the Enochian calendar you still have one more week before the introduction of the millennial reign to give or take so many years which would be about 700 years and that takes us right up to where history says uh, Rome fell the Middle Ages began and where all of our dates come to an end and then they pick it up again Right in like 1780, 1780s, 1800, right and then on all maps and coins and other things. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, oh. And the other quick thing. So the Colosseum. So, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, just super, super quick. Um, no, I was under the impression that, um, like, from, from what I, from what research I've done, it seems like the calendar for the watchers being released kind of lines up pretty nicely with a uh, post-millennial reign kind of timeline so that they like them coming out of the earth may have literally caused these mud floods to happen um now i wasn't sure kind of your thoughts or even rick's thoughts on that but it seems like the timelines are, are like close enough that it seems like maybe those watchers being released and 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 you know, being released back into the, in, into the earth from where they were chained below, uh, you know, maybe brought some mud up or, or, or caused like a kind of like these landslides and things like that, right? Well, uh, well I'll let Ricky, you uh, go okay, ahead. The, yeah, well, one of the things that it's interesting you brought that up because that's one of the things I was going to say about the mud floods is, you know how we have all these uh, supposed meteor craters all over the world. What if they weren't from meteors? Has anybody ever seen mud burp? Have you ever seen mud burp, an air bubble come up out of the mud? And what it does, it actually looks like a crater. It leaves the rim around it. It leaves a, the, the main ripple stays, and it takes a while for that to resettle. And you literally have what looks like a crater, like an impact of something coming in rather than something coming out. Uh, with the whole flat earth thing, people have talked about the plasma uh, that the moon could actually be a, a form of plasma, energetic plasma, because it puts off its own light. It puts off a negative light. It is the lesser light, the negative light. And it actually, instead of it actually being impact craters, it is actually what what you would uh, call a, um, oh, what they call it, uh, an implosion marks. Um, so if, if that is the case, 
you know, who knows? Maybe those, maybe that's exactly what happened. Maybe the earth got uh, loosened up. I mean, that'd be one heck of a burp to release uh, these angels that uh, have been bound and as powerful as angels are with what we're told, whatever they were bound with, um, whether it's a an energy field, uh, whether it's real true chains, uh, e either way, whatever it is, that I, I can only imagine what the power that would be released. But they, then again, I'm, I'm playing what if or, you know, imagine that. And um, but I'm, I'm with you. I, if that could that have been the cause of the kingdom? And my, my whole question is, where did everybody go? And why did all the children, why were all the children um, shipped around? And my whole thing is, is one of the things that came to mind when they were talking about the orphan trains um, is if Yeshua was able to leave and then you unleash these, you know, man haters, what do you think they're going to do to the adults that already have met him? And what do you think they're going to do with the children if they want to continue to bring mankind down? They remember in the book of Job, our adversary was not allowed to touch Job until, uh, and, and do, or do anything without, you know, God's permission, without his permission. Um, and so I don't think that that has changed. So I think there's still rules that apply. Um, but but can, could he go around and kill all the adults so that there's just nothing but children left? That's crossed my mind. That's, that's the what-if game that I've played. You know, even while I'm mowing the grass, I think about this stuff. And it's just, it's mind-boggling. It, what's mind-boggling right now is I, I can't get off this whole coin thing. It makes me want to get on, you know, every coin uh, coin auction house that I can and look at the numbers on the coins. Um, really intriguing. You got me on that one. Um, but I, I look at this and go, boy, if we're if we're if we're onto this, they really don't want this out. And if we're onto this, then. We're, I, there's something that ties in that we're all experiencing right now. We're all going through it. And, and this all ties back into this. Uh, um, I'm, okay, I got to speak in code here. But we all know that there's this thing where people are in their homes. They're talking about people being in their homes, not being able to go out. And they're saying that there's this bug that got released from a bat sandwich from uh, the filet of fish stand in... Uh, this place overseas that hates us. Uh, the, the, not they, the people, but the governments. Um, anyway, you guys get where I'm coming from. That thing they want to give people for free by handing out Krispy Kreme donuts and hamburgers and cheeseburgers and beers and joints and lap dances and whatnot and lottery numbers or lottery tickets and a chance to win $2,500 and a million dollars and all this. As long as you let us do this to you, if that thing, excuse me, if that thing actually changes the DNA that is the same DNA that God used to make Adam, and that's called flesh, if this thing changes your DNA, that it also alters your flesh. It alters the image in which you were made that has his signature on it and if that's the case and we're there well what does he say yeshua says i must come back or there'd be no flesh left on the timeline 
if that's where we're at and there's no denying that that is actually happening that people's uh the which, i mean unless i'm everything that i'm seeing is fake but it seems like the stuff that i'm finally getting to see is not stuff that gets to last long because it's being censored but if that's the case and the blood is changing and there's a scripture that says life is in the blood then i think we have to look at things really uh carefully and with a with very much open eyes with no blinders on and compare all the notes and here's my thing it matches it looks it looks the same this thing looks like it could be a mark or a name or maybe a number because if it's got a number to it and so if if we're looking at that could we literally be looking at the, a movement to eradicate, not down to 500 million according to the Georgia Guidestones, but the real, the real trick is to annihilate everyone. I'm sorry, but the guys that are behind this, most of them are senior citizens. They don't plan on repopulating. They don't plan on... Um, you know, having the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family reunions. They don't plan on having big families. They can't. They're past it. So I'm, my point is, is that if, if it, we're at a point where we're looking at this right down the barrel, I don't know how we can deny that it's, that it's worth looking into. I don't know how we can deny that we should really ultimately be going into this very prayerfully humbly and looking at it from a standpoint of wow if the if the millennial reign happened and and if it and you know compare notes here and look at the scriptures and i need to do this myself but if in fact we're at a point where if the millennial reign did happen then we are literally we have to be getting close to a full-blown return or when i say a return i'm talking about a uh, new heaven and new earth type of thing happening with fire. Could I add something here, Rick, to, to what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. So, super interesting um, about the uh, about the whole uh, pokey poke thing um, because it, uh, as far as I know, I think it's Revelation. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody could probably look it up. Um, but it says that the last days will be like the days. Of the days of Noah, and when you look at what the days of Noah were defined as, it was that all flesh had been corrupted. Um, and corrupted, yes. Yeah. And Noah's and Noah was perfect in his generations or in his genes, he and his boys. And Skiba's done a lot of work on that and talked about that as well. Rob has, and and so I, I look at this and go, wow. The other thing, oh, and you said that there was something else that popped in my head. What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, no. Oh, no. What was it? How did you start that? How did you start that? What was the first thing you said? It will come back to me, I'm sure. In, uh, in, in Revelation, it says that um, all flesh, uh, it, it will be as, 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 yeah, days it, it, as the days of Noah. Yes, yes. So the days of Noah, yes, of course. What else was going on during the days of Noah? Sodomy, wasn't that happening at that point in time? Wasn't there a lot of quote-unquote science being taught at that time? Well, I mean, wasn't there a lot of things going against already the Most High? Uh, and, and so if that is, yeah. Uh, I mean, the chimera, 
all of that. There was, you know, there were they were mixing species. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on at that time. Go ahead. Somebody Rick, there? you had you had talked to me earlier today about uh, our DNA actually being encoded with the name of the Most High. Um, and yes. I have no, I haven't read a lot on that. I actually passed that by my wife, and she had actually researched that, and she's like, "Yes, that's true." Which funny because sometimes, like the things I research, she doesn't research, and then I like I'll ask her, and she has researched it. She's like my research partner, so she confirmed that. And it's interesting because we know that they're uh, with the with the cookies, uh, the the you know the the tickly thing they're giving everybody that uh, you know they're they're snipping out uh, codes and uh, the. Somebody had shared in this group, and I don't have it in front of me, and I was looking at it, I was trying to read it, from the Supreme Court, where we know that the United States is a corporation, and they are basically, if you are eating these cookies that they're handing out to you, they are saying that your your genetics are now different enough that you are being, uh, you are part of a patent. They basically, the corporation now owns you. You have been taken There's out number. of... You have been taken out of the image of the creator. You are no longer his DNA, and so you now belong to them. And I, I, I read that, and I'm like, this sucks. I mean, it really does. I feel bad for anybody who has now been duped into this, and there's no, there is no turning back. You can't alter this now. It's over. It's done. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. I mean, Esau did. Hey, by the way, hey, I, I, we do it for a donut. Yeah. Well, uh, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about, right? Now, you could be non-cookie um, eater and be in the same boat. That's true. That's true. That's true. Rick, earlier when but, you were talking but, about... Um, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. There's just a little bit of delay on my end, I think. I was just going to say, uh, back earlier when you were talking about how, like, you know, you couldn't walk on water, for example, or, like, do any of these magnificent feats. I'm, I'm wondering if you think there's any uh, correlation between, you know, not only, like, the damage from GMO foods and fluoride and chemtrails and all that, but, like, you know, do you think there there's anything that they've been doing to us, including like the other types of cookies we've been fed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think it's, um, well, first and foremost, let's not ignore pharmacia. Let's not ignore what pharmacia is and what it's called in scripture and what it's considered to the most high. And <clears throat> as Noel and I spoke earlier, we're talking about, uh, you know, Give me somebody that's in their 60s and show me their prescription list. Show me what they're getting from the pharmacia center. And I just, I look at that and we're so dependent on that. And, you know, for instance, if, if, if we look at the creation, how this all started, started with water and when, and God spoke, well, I believe that when God spoke and said for something to happen, because his voice is so pure and so true that he could actually, with the vibration or the sound or the wave of his voice or the frequency of his voice being as pure as it is, that he could literally manifest things with his voice, which he did, because that's what the scriptures say happened. And 
since we've been around in our time, growing up with AM radios, FM radios, into, you know, cassettes to, you know, from records to cassettes to CDs to, you know, MP3s to now streaming. If we look at that, everything we listen to is in 440 and not 432. And the vibration, and by the way, the person that has us listen to everything, you know, standard and music recorded in 440, it was, uh, it's one of our adversaries' little cronies. And um, you'll have to do your own research on that. I don't want to try and get anybody flagged by saying names. But, <clears throat> and I probably said a lot when I said the word pharmacia, um, but hopefully it doesn't pick up, the algorithm doesn't pick up on that. But if, if that's the case, um, you know, yeah, I do believe that. I believe there's a lot of things um, that we could do differently. Um, you know, one of the, I don't know if I mentioned this the last time we spoke, but I was on another interview, I think, or it may have been this one, where I talked about the faith that uh, Yeshua said that we have to have. Um, when, you know, one, the thing that comes to mind is when one of the uh, uh, sentinels had sent for Yeshua, because his male servant had fallen ill and was literally on his deathbed, and he sent for Yeshua. And somebody went to Yeshua and said, "Hey, we need you to come back." And and uh, uh, you know, so and so's male servant's been done, and he's he's literally he's, he's he's one of us. You know, he's he's been good to us. And Yeshua makes his way there, and people are following. And before he he can even get to the the house where this male servant's dying, the sentinel sends out his friend and says, "Hey." He, he doesn't want you to come here. Um, uh, not, he don't, you don't have to come inside. He knew you could do it from where you were. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think the Sentinel came out. Or maybe he did. Maybe he did come out. But I know that he was, that Yeshua never made it to the house. And he said, you could do it from right here. And it, it didn't take Jesus back. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't take him back. It made him turn around and look at his own people, from what I understand. And he said, this is the faith that I'm talking about. This is the faith that you must have. To know that I don't have to be right there. I, you, uh, that, that's the relationship. That's the faith that you have to have. And I've always wondered if that sentinel wasn't the same one that had his ear chopped off. I don't know. I just one of those things. But it just made me, it just made me, it made me think about the, the whole point of this. Is that I do believe this. The stronger our faith. Why, why, is, it, why is it important that... When two or more are together, you know, and, and praying that he's there right there. There's something about that, the, the, the bond, those two prayers coming together in one and, and it being more, is it more powerful? Is it more powerful to have two people praying rather than one? Or is it more powerful to have 200 praying together? More than two. It doesn't matter. He's right there. He tells us the same thing. Go to your closet and shut the door. I'll be, I'm right there. My sheep will hear my voice. Shh, be quiet. You don't have to go through all these crazy rambling prayers anymore. Just listen. I already know your heart. And if we take that and we understand that and we have that faith, you know what happened when Peter started losing faith? Didn't he start sinking in the water? And he's standing right there. So we could all lose our faith. And I think that's, maybe maybe they're telling us something in the movies. Maybe they're telling us something about these quote-unquote mutant movies. Not, not about the DNA stuff, but about the powers that these people have. 
what's it, what are these, what, what about these angels? What kind of powers do they have that an angel could take on, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of men in one night and kill them? How's that work? Is that the flash? Is that Superman? Which one is it? Who is it? What powers does this person have? Does this angel have? And do we have those powers hidden from us? I don't know. I don't know. So, I know before, I know that everything's going to be told Sunday, though. Go ahead. So, Rick, be before we start going uh, in the direction of talking about, um, I'd really like to return to the thought of, of energy, vibrations, uh, minerals, and, uh, you know, perhaps what caused the mud flood. Um, but what I wanted okay. to quickly, uh, well, talk about whatever you want. I don't want to steer you away, but I did, before we move too far away from this, I did want to cover this because Josh had brought this up about uh, when the Watchers were released, and you know when we when we take the Book of Enoch, you know the Book of Enoch says that they will be released, and it says that when they're released, they're going to be like these these proud like these lions released from a cave that are just going to go just topple over the kings of the earth, and um, we don't see that happen in Revelation per se. But if you, you can see many different passages that are lifted in Revelation from Enoch. For example, Enoch introduces to us the Lake of Fire. He's the first book that does it. And then Revolution carries mm -hmm. these themes. Uh, and so when you see... My, my big argument is that it, it works out perfectly if you can see when Satan is released. Perhaps that is when the Watchers are released too. Now, if Rick had brought up the, um, the meteor craters... Well, there. I think, and I had written about this before, I don't have the notes in front of me, but if I recall, there are exactly 190 meteor craters on the Earth. By Earth, I mean land, not submerged underwater. Um, is it close but no cigar? I don't know. That's pretty close to the 200 count. All you need is 10 more underwater. Keep in mind, though, Azazel... Uh, the leader of the group, he was buried, many people believe, right around Jerusalem, but that's up to debate. It doesn't really matter. But when he was buried, it was prophesied that he would never come out. He is there for good. He's just going to be judged and thrown in the lake of fire. Like, he's never going to be released. Uh, but we saw, in the, in, according to the... Uh, the 10 week calendar of Enoch, it says, and, and you could look back at the video I did on that in this group, we discussed the calendar. It says that they will basically, they're going to go and trample over the homes of the elect, of the, the set apart, the righteous, right? The ones that were built apparently in the millennial kingdom. They're actually released after the millennial kingdom, if I'm reading that right. And that's exactly what we're seeing all over the world, not just with the world fairs, but we're seeing these big, beautiful domed buildings that are being uh, taken over and, you know, given these false histories. And, you know, these are what I, what I believe are the reptilians that, that run the earth, that rule the earth. What is a reptilian? It's just a seraphim. That's all it is. The very word seraphim, uh, these, these angels that are in front of the throne of Yah, that have six wings. They have two wings on their head, two wings on their feet, two wings to help them fly. The very word seraph in Hebrew means a serpent. It's a serpentine creature. And in upcoming weeks, I hope to talk about this more about, uh, you know, what a, a talking about the dragons in the wasteland because we know that Satan is a dragon. He's a seraphim. I think I believe a dragon is just another word for a serpentine angelic being. 
Um, and so these are the these watchers are seraphim. They're the they're the serpentine creatures. And it's crazy to think about the fact that there are good serpents and there are bad serpents. There's evil serpents. Um, and so those are the ones, you know, ruling over everything. And I just wanted to kind of cover that in case there were, you know, it, it, it seems that we come back on that point a lot, and there sometimes is confusion about uh, some of my conclusions. But anyways, Rick, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's important. And I, I want to go back to to this because this is this is something that you had uh, started the show saying uh, you you kind of asked the question, you know, where did you where did you hear this? You had said, where did you hear this? Who, where did you get this information? Um, and what I'm about to say is this is something that came to me during the whole flat earth, um, ponderings. Um, once I had, uh, I had a lightning strike in front of my house with confirmation, just a lot of really cool stuff that happened. If you guys didn't know, know about that, that's a whole other story. I can tell you about that later. Just some really wild, really cool, um, humbling <laughs> experience. But here's the thing. Are we, is everybody here aware and familiar with the biblical cosmology? I would imagine so. So, you know, basically a, a toroidal field of energy is what is around us. But before that even began, what we, what we know is, is that the most high went across the face of the deep. We know that water is a natural level. So before he did anything... He had an idea, and he started doing things. And there's a verse in there that starts to give us a little bit of an of a of a um, an understanding, where it mentions that he basically commands the earth to appear. Now the water above had already been put above, so he splits the waters first. So the water above and the water below were one time the same water. So the water was now put up above us in a dome. And I'm trying to paint the picture with, with my verbiage here, with my wording, painting the right picture. So the dome above has been described as molten glass, like molten glass. If any of you have ever seen anybody that does uh, glass blowing or anything like that, you know that it's not solid. It's kind of oozy. But it's also still liquid. And what is glass made up of? Made up of minerals. Lots of minerals. So when you can get the minerals to melt down and you can get them to ooze and do that kind of thing, imagine the amount of minerals it would take to have the ferment be like molten glass. Which means, if it's like molten glass... There's still, it's still moving. It's still able to move. It's still able to, to ooze. It's still able, and I'm not saying drip, but it's still got some type of a solid yet oozy state to it. That makes sense. So my point is, is this. If that's the properties of the, oh, go ahead. Somebody's on live. Somebody's mic's on. Hello? Is it Tim Mish, 969? Okay, he turned it off. Okay. So, it was really loud. I didn't know if somebody was trying to talk. So, okay, so... Oh, there it is again. 
Yeah, Tamish. Thanks. All right. You're good. Okay. So, so long story short, here's the deal. If the water above is like molten glass, what was the water below like before God said anything about bringing forth the earth or bringing the earth forth? It was like molten glass. Deep, wasn't it? Wouldn't it be the same thing? And if it is, if it is, what would happen to that thick, thick water once God started saying, bring the earth forth? Nowhere in the Bible does it, does it tell us where the earth came from, or does it? Because if we understand properties of water, you can take a glass of water and you can set it outside. And you can let the sun pull all the oxygen and hydrogen out of the water. And you have something left on the side of your glass for the most part. And if you scrape that glass, you can get that little powdery substance to go sit down in the bottom of the glass. And if you add more water to it and let it dehydrate again, dehydrate, evaporate again, you got more. If you do it again and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again, what do you have in that glass? You have earth. You have earth. You have dirt. You have minerals. And so when God started bringing forth the earth, when he, when he said, let it appear, my, my theory behind this is that he extracted and moved the minerals in packs and pockets and, and large clumps, and it made the water much thinner down here than the water above. And so we have continents and mountains and all of this that appear so that we actually have earth for God to start making the creatures to dwell on the, on the earth in Genesis. So now the water's more fluid. Still contains some minerals in it, but it's not as thick as it is up above us. And it's still very conductive. Water is still a conductor. Certain minerals are conductors. He knew what he was doing when he was making this. But I've never heard anybody explain why the ferment, if the waters were split, why the ferment is like molten glass when the water down here isn't. And I believe that that's, there's your answer. Your answer is that God, God told the earth to appear and he put the minerals and the, and the, all, of, all of the minerals together that he needed to make what we call earth. That's the earth that he created. That, I mean, that's the ground. The earth, the earth is the ground. So he then, out of all the things that he spoke into existence, what did he do? He was hands-on with two things. There are only two things I believe that God made by hand, truly hands-on. And it was Adam and Eve. So we are literally miry clay. Literally miry clay. With a formula, with a brand name on it, with a signature on our DNA, with his name on it. We are literally, we're from the water. We are from the water. And the, 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 the beautiful thing is, is that we're also how much percentage of our body is water and minerals and other things. And this is why if we're supposed to keep the temple clean, 
it's so that we stay more, uh, you know, uh, partnered with the way that God had intended our bodies to work or our temples to survive so that we can weather storms and we can weather hard times and hardships and whatnot and cancers and infections and quote-unquote hokey-pokey season so that we don't have to go through with even questioning whether or not we need that. We can take the Psalm 91 shot. So my point is, is that if, if in fact we're at that point where we look at the beginning of all this, and it started with that water, and we are literally from the minerals of that water. Wow. Doesn't that make him even more powerful that he could take a giant soupy puddle and turn all of that into this to create a story and to make a story so that we can learn a lesson so that we can live during the preface of this entire goal that we are out to reach, and that is eternity with our Father, to be reunited with our Father, and not just a concept, but a product. And isn't it something that the adversary would try and do something to us at the very end to turn us into a product so that he owns us? So that he can go before the Most High and say, see what I did? I esteem myself. Look, they put faith in my pharmakia. Not you. I mean, this is just so simple to me. And I've never heard anybody break down Genesis, and it makes more sense to me. And imagine if they taught that in school. Imagine if they taught that. Imagine if they actually taught that actually God extracted the minerals from the water below, and that's how we got the land, kids. He extracted the minerals. He told the earth to appear, and it appeared right here in this water. But there was a side effect. It made the water a lot more liquidy. It's just amazing to me. I, I don't know. I just that to me that 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 says a lot. That that says a lot to me that we're at that point that. It seems like to me a lot of answers are coming forth, and I didn't, I didn't, that didn't come to me by anything other than the fact that I started looking at how the frequencies would work under the dome with the sun and the moon, one being positive, one being negative, the, the, the light to rule the day, the lesser light, the negative light to rule the night, knowing that the moon is a septic light. All this came to, to my head because of quote unquote science or testing everything looking at it and look at, you know, when I say test, I didn't go out and test anything. I have done the moonlight test. I have proven with a laser thermometer that on snow, especially on snow, um, that you can put the laser in the shadow of the moon and then put it in the direct light of the moon and it will gain or lose. It'll, it'll drop six degrees on average. At least it does here in Indiana. So, I'm just saying there's a lot that we don't know, but there's a lot that we have before us that gives us the answers, and we will get those answers if we seek, we will find. And he's been very true to all of us. He's, he, he tells you, be careful. You know, the phrase, be careful what you wish for, you might get it. Most people don't know that's kind of scriptural. It's very scriptural. He's going to let us go mad upon our idols. You know, the people that are claiming and, and yelling and screaming, I want to go back to normal. It was That's not normal to God. 
the way we've been living is not normal. The way we've 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 held ourselves, and I'm 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 guilty as anybody else. The way that we have treated certain things and and been worldly, and you know, it it, it just goes to show. I mean, we're all guilty, probably of gossip. We're all guilty of you know hating on somebody. We're all guilty of lying. We're all guilty of probably stealing gum as kids out of the store. There's so many things that we are all guilty of. And the second that we start pointing fingers at other people and saying, questioning things, or you're going to, you're, you, you lose me right away. And years ago, I might not have been lost on that. I might actually have been jumping in going, yeah, that's the dumbest thing ever. But our father's merciful. Obviously. One thing you had brought up and I, I didn't know when to jump in. Uh, one thing you had brought up earlier was the, the firmament being uh, like molten glass. That is it's, Kind of like a, I think you described it as a solid liquid. It, did I did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot more minerals to it. I mean, that's what I was saying. Look at look at well, the glass. Open. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it, it was interesting because, and you had brought this up uh, while we were on the phone earlier about. I, I had never seen it, and I don't know if anybody else here has that can refer to it, but there was that National Geographic video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they, yeah, well, go ahead and and and. Tell us about that because yeah, yeah, they they've gone okay. So we know that we've only been able to drill down, um, you know, seven and a half, a little over seven and a half miles, I believe. You know, just under eight miles. That's that's the furthest that we've been able to drill a hole into the ground. And all of a sudden, they hit something they can't penetrate any further. Yeah, whatever. Okay, but what really got me was the video that I saw, where in in uh, Na I think it was National Geographic Channel they had put a submarine down into the ocean and what they experienced was, was they they're in the ocean. These guys are underwater looking at this thing. And what they realize is that there's another layer of water below them. That looks like an ocean floor. So they're literally in water, but now there's another ocean floor that when they would try and penetrate it, it would create waves of its own. It would create a wave on this other layer of water. Is anybody else can take, can anybody else chime in on this? Has anybody else seen this? Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and they couldn't they couldn't penetrate that water, could they? No, it was it, it was, was it was too thick, too dense, right? Yeah, it was. Um, they said they tried to push the submarine down into it, and the submarine would bounce off of it and would not would descend bounce. past that layer, as if they were floating on top of a a layer of water. And that when they did that, it would cause ripples to go to the sides of the rock, which seemed to be like the shore of this water that would go down deeper. Yes. So, what if the same thing was happening with the drill bit underground? To me, it proves, to me, that would, that would, that to me, I shouldn't say it proves, to me, it adds evidence that there is something below us at such a depth, and I don't know how deep they were in the water, but the lower that you go in the ocean, you can only go so far. We only have the technology to go so far. And I've seen that with my own eyes as far as video. I wasn't in the capsule. I wasn't in the, if it was a robot camera, I can't remember if it was a, 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 a manned sub or not. But it, to me, it shows there is something down there that nobody has taught about. I've never heard that before. 
that's pretty important to know if in fact they're actually catching the barrier on a certain part of the water below that actually might be much cons you know just as consistent with the waters above well, that the made more sense is this also the great deep that the scripture uh, scriptures talk about so often? We have the oceans, but then we have the great deep. And it, what's fascinated what fascinated me about this is that we know that they've we've had multiple witnesses or some witnesses come forward who've said that they have gone up as far as they can go. They can't go any further up. There's clearly a firmament up there. Uh, we know that they can only dig, as you said, about eight miles or as crazy chicken says on here 7.8 miles straight down um and we can only go east west south uh in a south southern direction uh they've gone as far as they can in antarctica so it's like they figured out now there's nowhere left to go this is it yeah and you know what that proves to me uh, it, it, it proves to me that it's the opposite of what they've been teaching us and they've taught us that, oh, it's infinite, it's infinite, it's infinite. What it proves to me is that it's always been intimate. It's intimate. He made this place for us, to share this place with us. And there's not, there's, I, you know, am I losing you guys? I was gonna, could I add something to something that I saw that kind of falls into the same sort of category of finding the limits of things? Sure. Um, so the other day I came across this video. Um, it was in regards to Antarctica and something called Blue Ice. I don't know if anyone come across that video. I, I've seen it as well. The Blue, uh, the blue Ice, yes. Well, the... Well, interesting thing that I thought was just a kind of, kind of picked up on it was talking about a, a guy who had worked for the military who had put in his application to go to Antarctica as a helicopter pilot and so one of the many questions that they were asking him about was what they believed in so they wanted to know what their faith was as far as if they were you know Christian or if they were atheist or what they believed in and this guy personally who had went at the time, he was atheist and very into science, and so he got accepted. And the, the you know, don't know how true this is. You know, can't talk to this guy. Just this is a video I saw on YouTube, but that they were drilling and the scientists were studying this so-called blue ice that was basically pure oxygen. It didn't melt; it just evaporated. And when they drilled into it, their machines, whatever they drilled into, and they would stop. It would self heal itself and close itself back up. That's amazing. So yeah, I, that right there like, is like, is wow. that the barrier? That's what they were in Antarctica, and it's crazy because he got accepted, and you know, hundreds of people, you know, applied for this to go be the, you know, helicopter repair pilot or person there to work on the bases. And he feels now, as he looks back in his life, that he was accepted for the fact that you know he had told them that he didn't believe, you know, and that he was, you know, based on pure just science and stuff like that. And then whenever, you know, they had downtime, they would talk with the scientists. And so when National Geographic and people like that came, they would show them, you know, the cores of regular ice. But they would never really discuss this so-called blue ice that was basically just made up of pure oxygen. Like, so cold, you can touch it. Just kind of that information. So I was like, it was kind of a trip into that. 
you know, that it self healed itself. So like, no matter how hard they tried, they were, they're not going to get out of it. They're not going to get through it. It just get, it closes yeah. itself back up. And I remember it, and it took a while for it to evaporate, right? Or whatever to, to disappear. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it would just kind of just disappear. It was, disappear. They yeah. Can't, you can't, and you can't take it away from those climates either because it would immediately just disappear. That's why it just goes it's away. Stayed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's it, it, and the the color of that also reminds me of the blue stones. You know the the, the uh, what's it called? Oh my gosh! They're saying that it could be chunks well, of. The, say say that again. You kind of you kind of cut out. I guess there's a verse that talked about. I have to see what the Bible verse was where he, that um, is one of the prophets. Am I, am I hey guys is, it, is this hey i'm on i'm on a cell phone and i just need to know am I, is it breaking up on just me or is this everybody no it's no, it's, it's every, everybody. it's on everybody okay yeah you're breaking up there so uh um, everything that you just said we missed i i i heard him say something about the uh, because that to me this is this is this kind of ties into what we're doing here because if they're finding the most purest form of oxygen and if there was a worldwide flood and there was stuff just washed off to the sides, what else are they? What else are they there for? You know, again, it's just we're never going to know um, until the time's right. Yeah. So, but can you repeat what you were saying about that rock, uh, the the blue stone? So yeah, I'll have to. I want to find this video again so I can get the verse. But there's a there's a verse about one of the prophets. He was describing the expanse above or something above that resembled a throne of blue sapphire, of the sapphire stone. So that's what wow. kind of, it was like, you know, they're finding this, you know, pure blue, you know, ice or stone, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it falls kind of like in line with the scriptures talking about what they seen then as resembling, you know, blue sapphire stone. So it was and just very blue interesting. Fire stone. When they find the blue sapphire stone, when they find this in other places, they found this in other places in the world other than Antarctica, right? When it's an actual stone form. Well, no. I Has just, anybody else seen an actual blue stone? Has anybody else seen video of that? Anybody in the chat? I, yes, people have found like parts of the firmament all over the all over the earth. Yes, and they, 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 they and under the cap. test. Yes, and under the test, don't they actually have a high uh, rate of oxygen within that stone itself? Yeah, I've heard it that, was like 90, it was something like 99% oxygen or something. I don't know. The stone is. Yeah, that's, that's from what I've seen uh, from the research yeah. that I've done on it. I'd yeah. love to know what the other, I'd, I'd love to know what the other elements are in uh, on that, um, in that rock. Just out of pure curiosity. Um but yeah, no, I, I look at this, guys, that, that we are in such a fascinating time that we're having a discussion like this. I'm walking in circles in my driveway so that I don't lose signal. And, you know, we're at a time right now where we don't know when they could collapse our economy. Uh, you know, we, we could have to go into the wilderness quicker than what we think. And, um, you know, whether that be off grid, whether that be out in the middle of a cornfield, whether it be up in the hills, I don't know. I'm just saying, we know enough now that we know the adversaries at work, and we can see it. And there's no no greater time than to show people your joy in our Messiah. There's no better time to show that you have faith 
and not hope. That everything that he says is true. And there's no greater way to die than for your faith. Thank you. Hey, Rick. Beautiful. Hey, Rick. Let's. Um, I wanted to take this back once again to the to the mud flood because you were talking yeah. about the minerals and the water and the land coming forth from the minerals and the water and such. And we were talking earlier about what may have caused the mud flood. And I'm curious if you wanted to expand on that. We talked, you know, about the meteors, the meteor craters, which may have been the, the holding cells of the watchers themselves. But I don't know if that it's that in itself, whether that was the same event as the mud flood, if it was uh event, you know, if it was somewhere in the parameter of a timeline, but it, what what do you think caused the mud flood? Are you still with us? Yep. Yeah, it seems One to be thing breaking. that makes sense to me. Hello? Can you guys hear me? Is that, is that better? Now we can, Rick. Great. Yeah. Okay. So, um, no, the only thing that makes sense to me about the mud flood is there's only there's two things. Uh, one is there were maps, uh, the old maps, uh, prior to what, 1760, I believe, it showed northwest of Denver area, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was northwest of Denver, um, up in the mountains, there was a, there was a giant lake in the mountains on the maps and on the map and i'll have to find the map if i wish i had it i could post it but i, I can't call you guys from the house we've got terrible uh, internet here right now um if, if 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 in fact these maps were real there's a there was a giant lake in the mountains that actually showed sea creatures on the drawings like coming out of the water like these things are like something you see in the ocean so it to me it represented this is salt water well, we also know Salt Lake City is a salt water lake. Yeah, that's why that's why I call it, it's called Salt Lake. So, if if there was a flood of Noah, which we know there was, and as the water receded, we know that sea water would get trapped, or salty water, or marine life could get trapped in mountains as the water receded. Now, what we do know is that in the, in the going now going back to the earthquake of eighteen twelve. The reports that I've seen uh, was that when this earthquake hit in 1812, that the Mississippi River ran backwards. I believe it was somewhere around Iowa, it ran back to the north towards Minnesota. That was on record. The earthquake that was so big in 1812, wherever the epicenter was for this earthquake, sorry, my neighbor just went by blaring their stereo. Um, if if it could make the, the, the earthquake so big that it could make the, the water run backwards in, in the Mississippi, something would have to be added to the water for it to begin to rush backwards. You don't just, unless the earth tilted, you know, the ground tilted up. When I say earth, I don't mean planet. I meant the ground. So that you'd ha literally have to have a, 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 the topography would have to all change. Everything would have to change. And that's not what the 
they say happened. They said that the water ran backwards, which to me means there was a, a big rush of water going into that gully called the Mississippi. And it was so great that it actually also, that I think, if I'm not mistaken, it changed the route of the Mississippi River. So it went over, you know, the normal land that was down at the bottom at the Delta and water went in different places at that point in time. So if that earthquake was so great that it could ring church bells in Boston and the sitting president at the time was recorded saying that he and his wife actually felt the, the earthquake uh, in there at the estate or if it, if it was the White House then. I don't know if it was the White House then. It's pretty bad. But if it, whatever the president's chambers were, they actually felt the earthquake there. So to me, that, that, that type of earthquake, could it rattle the ground loose and break free all these lakes? Because that lake that, was, that, lake that supposedly was there that's no longer there, if it rushed through, well, it sure would explain why it's flat. As soon as you get to the east side of the Rockies, and it's, and it's pretty much flat all the way out to the Mississippi. Look at Kansas. That, can you imagine the type of mud that would travel across the plains? If, it, if there was enough water, what they're saying, that, uh, and Canada had a bunch of these lakes as well up in the mountains, according to the maps. Could you imagine what kind of layering would, would occur with a, a soupy mix? I mean, I, that, that would make sense uh, that that would actually be caused as an aftershock or an after effect of Noah. That could quite possibly be it. That's one of the things. The other thing that makes sense is exactly what you said, Noel, and that is that something came from underground. And like I said earlier, it's almost like a belch. And, you know, popped. And here they are. Boom, released. Ah, let's go get them, boys. Let's we're go get them. We're talking about a lot of energy, you know, across Tons. the world. And there, there, there needs to be something. It seems like there's something tied in here to Yahusha, you know, picking up and leaving. Um, That's the other thing. That, yeah, like, a, like, yeah, of course. Like, um, uh, let's see, if he's, if he's, if his energy is exactly what I think it is, if you leave that energy, it's going to, the the signature energy uh put it this way when my my dad died when my when my when my rick, pops passed away hey rick just a second away, can you hear me rick i was holding his hands and he was breathing Go ahead. hello yeah uh you're just really choppy right now um okay. how's that is that better yeah that's better okay sorry what I was saying was that when my dad passed away in 2002, um, I'm plugging my phone in as quickly as possible because I think my battery's about to die. No. Hang on. Am I good now? Did I make You're it? You're good. You made I it. I made it. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. So when, when my dad passed away, I was holding his hands. And this is the best way that I can describe it. He was taking these labored breaths, and we didn't know how long he was going to take these labored breaths. And all I can tell you is there was a point in time where he, and I was, I was talking to my dad, uh, and I, was, I, I basically said, Dad, just you know, go, go be with the Lord. Be with him. You know, go. And um, he took a few more breaths, and there was a breath that he took his, the breath in, 
And literally, as the air was going out before it could even come out of his lungs, I felt him leave. And my sister actually asked me, as I felt him leave the, his body, my sister said, is he gone? And I turned and looked at her and I said, yeah, he is. And the feeling, the actual feeling in the room changed when my dad left for me. Enough to where my sister sensed it. As I'm holding his hands, he didn't change. There was nothing changed in his breathing at that point in time until that last breath was actually on its way out. Nothing changed. He just never took another breath. And what I can tell you is, you remember back in the day when we had the old stereos in the car, um, if you came up to a stoplight, you could lose the signal of the radio station. And as long as you rolled the car forward just about another you know, 6 to, to 12 inches, the station could pop back on. And for a split amount of time, it was like I didn't feel right without my dad's energy, if you want to call it energy, or his soul there. I, he, his presence wasn't there anymore, and I, we could feel it. And it took a while to almost like get accustomed to the room without him in there. It's just the strangest way of putting it, but I, you know, I'm not trying to get into all that energy stuff. But I, the, the, it's true, though. It's like somebody... That I had a very strong bond with, I literally felt like the room frequency changed. And um, it, it, it actually made me go, wow. And the same exact thing happened with my grandma when she passed. I was in the room and, and I actually was holding my grandma's hands when she passed. And the same thing happened with her. Um, so I, it's, it, to me, if, you, if, if, if we had our Messiah here, and he took off and left, I can only imagine what would happen if when my dad left that I could actually Okay. Okay, you're getting really choppy. You're getting really choppy again, Rick, so let me just... System, this toroidal field, if he came in and built all this stuff. Hello? Yeah, Hello? you're getting really chopped. Can you hear us? Okay. Okay, I, I can now. Yes. Okay. Well, let me just um, let me just jump in here since you're getting a little choppy and just kind of run with this because I I was hoping you would talk about that because for me when you were saying that on the phone that was putting in all the pieces together, uh, and I I absolutely agree with this. Yahusha, it, it and this is under the assumption again. Uh, you know, neither Rick nor I are saying, you know, you know, gospel truth that the millennial reign did in fact happen. But if it did happen, uh, and Yahusha basically gets up and leaves with the set apart saints, uh, it would be a, a, a type of judgment upon humanity. And I don't think it would just be Messiah leaving. There would be a lot of resurrected saints that are getting up and leaving with them. And we're talking about a, a huge energy shift uh, in the world that could create this judgment. And this is why within the mud flood research, we're seeing like milted buildings and, you know, whole cities just destroyed. I don't know where that is on the timeline. If that is the destruction of the beast in Revelation uh, at the beginning of the millennial reign or if it's something that happened at the end where we have all these adults dying and just, you know, children everywhere on the earth. Um, some of the pieces that have been... So, to kind of form a picture here of what is happening, 
one of the biggest um, one of the biggest uh, problems that have been uh, projected my way or proposed is artwork. All right, so some of you will know what I'm talking about. If you look back at the last thousand years, uh, like you look in the Enlightenment period, you see all this beautiful sculptures and artwork and they tell you you know the very term enlightenment it's it's very satanic when you look at it like it's just this enlightenment of man it is man eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and calling it it's a knockoff they're calling it the tree of life but it is it is when the occult was uh as it is being taught to us in the official narrative when the occult was kind of coming out um and so you take something like uh, Michelangelo's David, and it is the precision of of the human body in sculpture form. And and I actually used to ask my uh, one of my art buddies who was really big on this. I'd be like, "So how many how many statues did Michelangelo have to chip away before he got that perfect? Like we should be able to see a whole yard of just like." discarded statues by Michelangelo and he was thinking about this going yeah we're like why don't those exist right so anyways when you go you go you look at the uh the renaissance and then we have this the next generation of artwork called baroque art and what what was really interesting about baroque art and this is in the official narrative guys what's really interesting interesting about baroque art is that the their fathers before them had perfected the shape of the human body you know the shapes patterns well baroque art basically took it to this new level of human emotion but what they started doing is throwing in a lot of um pagan myth mythology pagan gods and and so on and so forth occult knowledge and that has been projected in my way of saying well or or tossed my way saying well how do you make heads and tails of this how do you say that this is the millennial reign of messiah well it, here's something here's some things we know about the millennial reign we know according to is it in isaiah and i don't have this in front of me i will give a presentation on this in in a week or two we know that it said that anyone any nations any governments that uh so messiah is ruling the earth and he has all these all governments you know are you know he's ruling over and it says that anyone who does not go up to celebrate the feast uh that they will be cursed so wait a second here so now we have people who are cursed they are being disobedient while the messiah reigns on earth they still have a sinful nature they're still saying look i really i love uh this millennial kingdom this is great and all and i love the benefits of it and i want the benefits of it for myself but i don't want to be obedient all right and then you have um a number of scripture verses which I will present, and I thank uh, Rob for bringing those forward to me, on all the wastelands all across the earth where it, uh, there are multiple scripture passages that talk about the devils and you know Lilith and all these different spirits and these de uh, these dragons. And I, and, I, and I believe that the reference to dragons is fallen seraphim, that these fallen angels are inhabiting these wastelands like Babylon and other places that were uninhabited during the millennial reign and th this is why we see like these places like babylon and others being dug up in the 1800s really interesting stuff and what what happens if you tell someone don't go there 
right? You're going to have people go, oh, I'm kind of curious to go there and meet these dragons for myself, right? These, these, you know, Lilith and these devils and these Satans. I want to go, well, they're going to give you the knowledge of the Watchers. And so now we're seeing, as the millennial reign is creeping on, we're seeing more governments rebel. We're seeing more people have take this, this, uh, this beautiful uh, technology and the you know that they have there, and they're starting to corrupt it, and they're starting to bring in this kind of wicked stuff. They're bringing in the occult knowledge and starting to build. And finally, one day, boom! Yahusha's like, you know what? We're going to pick up. You know, it's all part of the plan. Of course, we got to release releasing Satan from prison. We're releasing the Watchers, and this is a judgment on everybody. So as he picks up, he leaves, they go wherever they go. We all assume the North Pole. I mean, I would assume that's the best guess. But, you know, given the fact that we don't live on a globe, and I think on a globe, in, they say like 76% of the Earth is covered by water. Uh, don't quote me on that. It's somewhere right about there. Well, if on a, on a flat Earth, on an AE map, on a circular map, that means the Southern Hemisphere is a lot larger, which means there's a lot more water in the Southern Hemisphere. Like, it would increase from 76 to, I don't know what it would increase to. I've, I've never seen anybody do the math on it. Um, there could be a lot of land hidden down there. Who knows, right? If there's a whole continent down there that we don't know about, especially considering that all flight paths are... Um, are run by NASA. Most people, even flat earthists, don't know that, that NASA is in charge of all flight paths. Um, that being said, they pick up and leave. We got this huge you know, energy shift that perhaps created this mud flood event, this judgment that came upon the whole world that may have melted buildings, cities, uh, you know, buried others, and here we are up to present. So are you still with us, Rick? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, I just decided to jump in there because you're getting really choppy. I just wanted to make sure uh, we get oh, you no, back I, up. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened other than the fact that sometimes it just, uh, you know, it goes out. But, um, no, he, and I'm with you. And here's the other thing. What happened, uh, what happened when Yeshua left uh, after his crucifixion or when he took his last breath? What happened? Tell us. You guys there? When he gave up yeah. his ghost? Was it? Wasn't there? Wasn't there earthquake. an earthquake? Earthquake, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he, when his, when his, when he left the temple that he was going to rebuild in three days, there was an earthquake. So when he left that time, there was an earthquake. Why wouldn't there be one the next time? That's what I'm just. That's what I'm posing. Good point. Yeah, that could be part of it. Also, that would make sense of. A well, lot was, of uh, the changes was, at that time. Yeah, there was uh, all sorts of things that happened in in the whereabouts of 1812, and as I've pointed out before, that the years, the year, I don't like to fixate on the year 1812 because anything on the Gregorian calendar they can kind of fudge and lie about. Uh, when the, you know the true calendar is the the sky above us, the stars, the moon, and the sun, right? So. From our perspective, 1812 could really be 1776, or it could be 1850. I really don't know. But in in that narrative, you have a major volcano that goes off that covers. They said it covered like anywhere the the the, the cloud covered anywhere from like a third to two thirds of the Earth. Um, you talked about the Mississippi River. There were um, 
all over the United States, these gaseous fumes that came up that were uh, uh, basically it was it was it was like the stench of death. And people talked about seeing like this uh, this this like black fog almost sulfur. Yeah, another interesting thing that was happening then of course uh, and dave put up 1812 was a very strange year which i talked about i talked about a lot of stuff in here and this is of course when the napoleonic wars were going on and one of the reasons i say that it's the year itself is irrelevant because i have proposed the possibility that the 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 war of 1812 and the american civil war uh overlap with both napoleonic wars and i have shown that both napoleonic wars may in fact be the same event, meaning Napoleon the first and Napoleon the third may be the same person. It's a little bit of a mind trip, but if they are the same person, it could mean that the Civil War and the War of eighteen twelve are the exact same thing too, and they're both just explaining, you know, the the destruction of the Millennial Kingdom of what we call Tartaria, which of course Tartaria may just be a play on the word Tartarus which is where the watchers were buried uh or not the watchers i'm sorry the uh, the titans where the titans were buried which were the children of the watchers and so you could see how uh, in a type of a psyop uh the watchers would say oh well the millennial kingdom is really tataris right they really it's like a it's like a you know they're it's a psyop within a psyop a kind of a or orwellian language but another interesting thing that i did talk about in there that happened in 1812 was um there was like an outbreak of what we called what were what they called back then wild men, and you hear a lot of accounts of wild men in in ancient literature like the Epic of Gilgamesh or some medieval accounts, uh, which also corresponds with the Green Man. But today we would probably call him Sasquatch, and so I think that that's interesting too. That in the right around eighteen twelve, people were seeing these Sasquatch slash wild men. Uh, coming out too. I don't. I, I don't know if that's just some sort of demonic outbreak. I don't know what that was, but that was. Was kind of that, hey, Noel, was that about the same time that they were snapping pictures with cowboys holding up pterodactyls? Well, you know the the introduction of the uh, of the camera. Uh, what decade was it? The eighteen forties, maybe when uh, the first camera and the first voice recording came out around the eighteen fifties or eighteen sixties. Um, so. No, uh, they the that's the that's the thing that the first Napoleon Napoleon the first uh, Napoleon Bonaparte he was never photographed. It was only Napoleon the third that was photographed, and you know, everyone. Go ahead. Could you share about? I don't know if you shared the article yet, but it goes in line with this that you said the Wild West was um, up for debate here of how much oh, that is real oh. too. Oh, let me add to this, because on those maps, those maps I was talking about with the lakes up in them, that whole region up in there was called No Man's Land. It was actually nice. said that on the map, No Man's Land. Like, you didn't want to go through there. And what they were saying was, and I think you guys have probably all seen this too, but they were saying that there was a, this, there was a city of gold on the hill. And that's why the people went to San Francisco. Now, you guys, have you guys, are you, any of you aware of the map showing that California was an island at one time? Yes. Yeah. And different things of what it may be been, like whether it's Amazon women, that was theirs. Here, that. Yeah, well, there, there was that. But, but do you remember what the, the, the waterway was between California and 
the continental U.S. The Red oh, Sea. Oh, what was that called? It was called the Red Sea. Wow. No, we didn't know that. Yeah, that in fact, I, uh, it has been. I published an article about a about a year ago, a little over a year ago. I didn't write it. It was written by uh, a wonderful woman named uh, Kristen, uh, Christina Bozma. And yes, she, she covered this. Yeah, she has the belief that the United States, North America, is the ancient holy land, land of Israel, and that uh, California was perhaps, she hinted at the fact, Egypt. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. It's something worth looking into. Um, you know, if they're, if they're lying to us about the shape of the earth, if they're lying to us about the shape of history, the shape of mankind, why not? lie to us about the shape of our inheritance as well. Um, I don't necessarily take that conclusion, but I'm very open to it. Like, let's just put it this way. Like, if when I finally meet Yahusha, and he's like, oh, by the way, uh, all those stories, they, they took place <laughs> yeah, in Australia. This is when we'll know. <laughs> yeah, they, all those stories in the Bible, they took place in Australia. I'll be like, cool. You know, like, <laughs> Like, like what you know, it's not going to surprise. Well, I may be very surprised. I don't know. And you guys yeah. have known that I've hinted at the fact that uh, Sean Matthews, who you know, he just died last Sunday. One of his big things is he kind of he kind of thought that Jerusalem uh, in the Bible, the the city of Jerusalem, actually took place in what we call the North Pole today. Uh, that's something he was looking into, and that's what I loved about him—that he was a guy that had such a uh, he was so open just to look at different possibilities. But yeah. This is this Where is going with this, Rick. Uh, no, I, I'm no, well, oh, I'll when he was talking about the Wild West, uh, yeah, it would have been a wild time, all right. And look at the Indians that, uh, on record saying that they had killed, uh, smoked out, um, you know, these giants with red beards and red hair. And when I say Indians, you know, there's a real good chance that. The Indians, many of the, the Indians that we know of today, especially out here in the, uh, you know, the Midwest and the Plains. From what I, from, I remember reading this years ago, that when they said that people would come here, that the common denominator language wise, the barrier was always broken when somebody could speak Hebrew. And I don't know if anybody's ever heard that or not, but that's something that always came to mind to me when I started looking at the mud flood stuff, because if there was trade going on here long before, you know, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, um, there and and there's obviously there's uh, proof of that. I mean, we found we have found Medo Persian um, type of ships and and uh, not just that, but uh, Phoenician ships on boats and Viking ships in places that you wouldn't have thought that they'd make it to. Uh, just in my region alone in Indiana, just to show you guys how wet uh, northern Indiana, lower Michigan, uh, Illinois was, is that they could take their canoes uh, just about, uh, I'd say about 30 miles east of where I'm at right now. And there was a place where they could put their canoes in the water and they wouldn't have to get out of the water until they got to the Mississippi. They would go through marshland the entire time. And there's, it, there's maps that show this. Uh, you can go here in northern India. There's a little museum up here that you can go to. I'll, I'll get this. I'll send this stuff to you. I'm going to start doing some homework assignments for you guys. But I, I, I look at this and go, wow, so much has changed just in the last 100 years, 150 years, just in, just in northern Indiana alone. I can't imagine. 
imagine what was going on out in the Grand Canyon. I can't imagine what was going on in, you know, the, along the coastline out near San Francisco during 1849 when they went out there on a mad gold rush where if there was a city on the hill and the, the Red Sea was filled in by an earthquake, by mud going in, they now call it the valley, uh, that to me, it really, um, man, it really puts a lot of the puzzle pieces together on the whole what if isn't no longer what if, it's now it's what else. Because we're, we're really, I think we're really seeing so many things and us just even talking about it yes. and gathering together and having prayer this is fellowship and this is a time to learn. And that, and, and, you know, we're going to be able to combat if, if we can come up with these answers and, and I, and I, you know what, I just want to pray right now. And I just ask you guys to pray with me right now, because right now I'm just, I, father, I just do, we just come before you right now with complete humility and, and a humbleness. We are, we are seeking answers. We are asking for these answers. And I know that you are very clear on this, that if you seek, you shall find, but if we ask, we shall also receive. And I just ask, Father, that whoever's got the ears right now to hear and the eyes to see, Father, that you just put it up on them, that you would just uh, give, give them the doors to open and the windows to open and for their eyes to see this evidence and to bring it uh, forth as, as proof and as truth and that we can have these answers. We know that it's not a salvation issue, but it might be for somebody else. It might be that, that turning stone uh, for them that could cause an avalanche in their life of good. And so we just ask for that. We ask for wisdom and we just ask for, you know, your, you know, your guidance and your will to be done in all of this. And I just, I pray in, in Jesus name, Yeshua's name right now. I just pray all that. And I just hope that we can all, uh, you know, be your hands and feet down here right now as uh, time just continues to tick on. So I just, guys, I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that I'm able to have these kinds of conversations. I don't get this that often. And um, I'm just really appreciative of this. So thank you again. Yeah, and we should, uh, we'll be kind of finishing up here in the next 10 minutes or so. And um, just to keep, you know, to a, to a schedule. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to add on, on the Wild West so that we'll hopefully give everyone a picture of what I believe is going on. Uh, some time ago, I started a series that I never finished. And one of them was called, I Do Not Believe in the 1849 Gold Rush. And essentially what I was saying was, is that the, the 1849 Gold Rush was a hoax. Yes, it, it really happened in the sense that people rushed out to California and in order to create this uh, westward expansionism manifest destiny on on a uh, uh, kind of how they the, the Masons wanted to tell the story. One of the reasons I stress that it's a hoax is that James Marshall and uh, John Sutter, the founder supposedly of Sacramento, they were never able to produce gold in their lifetime. They died penniless. They, in terms of gold, they, they never found it. So, you know, it, it, to this day, if you go out to California, if you bring enough miners out there, you're going to find gold. In fact, to this day, people still do find gold in California. Um, so there, there was something going on there. And I started digging into this. And I, what, one thing that was really interesting that preceded the California gold rush by one year was the Donner Party. Which, of course, uh, John Sutter was involved in that, too. And a lot of Freemasons were involved in that, including Reed, the Reed Party, who was with the Donners. Uh, there was uh, Jesuits, Freemasons, all involved in this. 
And what I think is happening now, the Donner Party, when you start digging into it, it is the most ridiculous hoax. It actually starts to make no sense. This whole cannibal story and how the cannibal story actually was getting pushed into the newspapers before the Donner Party was ever discovered. Think about that. How in the world did they know they were eating each other and they hadn't even discovered them yet? Okay, that should be a huge red flag for anybody in the Truther community, as we know how they push things in the news. But back then, you know, I don't know. I don't know how, how people questioned things back then. But um, yeah, and, and Dave's putting up, I had a couple articles, and I had one, uh, a third part that I never finished, um, that was just going through the, there was actually, it was broken up into two cannibal parties, and they were all eating each other. Uh, but and the only ones that were actually really reporting on the cannibalism were the children who grew up. And of course, it was it would have been very simple to convince those children that they were uh, eating the flesh of other people. They were handed some meat and they were told there were some people or whatever. But uh, one of the reasons I think that that story was pushed was because it was a morality tale of – if you guys know anything about the Donna Party, they were supposed to go down the Oregon Trail. And – as they're going along, they meet some guy in the desert that says, oh, no, I've discovered a new trail. And if you buy my map for like however much, you know, 10 bucks or whatever, you know, this will take you there much quicker. And then they went down this path and it was to their destruction. And what they were basically telling everybody was keep to the path, keep to the Oregon Trail. As you go out west, don't, you know, this will be your fate if you if you steer clear of this. And I think that they were trying to hide railroads. They were trying to hide uh, pre-existing settlements, um, and then you know these buildings. Keeping and all them completely of clear of any of the structures that were buried. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's what was going on. Yeah, it makes some... a lot of sense. And, and, and you know, and I, I know I brought up the whole, <laughs> I brought up the whole pterodactyl picture earlier, and there's a reason why. One of the things that always intrigued me with the American Indians is they had always talked about the Thunderbirds, you know, and what the Thunderbirds were, and that they would take children and all that, and it could have just been a big tale. But the reason why I brought up the whole pterodactyl thing is because if, in fact, um, uh, let's just say that there's a... a a restoration, so to speak, during the millennial reign. Would there is there a possibility that everything was so unified that once he left, like like it was in the garden, so to speak, uh, just completely wonderful? Were the creatures still mean? Were they, or was everything in harmony again during that time? That's a question I had, and the reason why I say that about the whole pterodactyl thing is, what would what would any of these creatures do to men? after Yeshua would depart. And could you, I, I don't know, I guess I, I'm losing my train of thought here, but I, I guess I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, we talked about Bigfoot, we talked about these masks, we talked about the lies, we talked about the Red Sea, we talked about all these things. These things are, these, none of us are making this stuff up. These are things that have been presented to us, but it's never given full attention, obviously by not just the media, but academia. And again, it makes you go, we're told that we're crazy if we even talk about these things or ask about these things. But yet there were newspaper articles. There's old reports. There's people that have diaries kept. There are people that did pick, drew pictures. All this stuff is there. And I, I look at this and go, man, okay, we're at a point in time right now where we know that every time you watch an award show, they're, they're giving, 
they're paying homage to, you know, uh, an antichrist uh, uh, entity. Uh, they're taking down Ten Commandments at courthouses and putting up statues of Baphomet. How much more do we have to realize that Satan's here ruling right now? When when is it when is it when are we going to realize that when I say Satan I should say the adversary? When are we going to realize that our that the our real true adversary is setting up to where is he about to show up? Is something what's going on here? Because if that's the case that we're watching, you know, uh, I don't see. I don't, I don't know, man. I guess my whole point is, is I see the, the evil in full swing right now like never before. And it only makes sense that he has been unleashed and that there, others have been unleashed. And that's why you have all these demigods. That's why we have the quote-unquote uh, wandering stars named after different demigods. You have, um, you have Dagon the fish god, you know, which you know, pays homage to what? The water, the, the serpent whatever you want to call it, Leviathan. I just look at this from a standpoint of, guys, I, I don't know. I honestly, the more I sit here and just even talk about it, it's almost like, duh. <laughs> this what is else? where the millennial kingdom makes sense, is that we don't have it's to done. wait for the Antichrist, Antichrist to appear. Because He's already here. Exactly. It's already in. It's already in full swing. We're waiting for it to happen. It's like, guys, do you, do you not see that they're hypersexualizing our children? Do you not see that they're trying to make them gay? Do you not see that they're teaching this? Sorry, I'm trying to tell people there's a just like there's a body of Christ. There's a body of Antichrist. There's Absolutely, not a man, body, body Christ. It's a collective. It's anybody who is not. In the body of Christ is even unwittingly serving or a part of it has the antichrist spirit let's put it that way and I, I yeah. think why people can't notice it so easily is because that body is chaotic so it fights within itself as you see all of the uh, nations and governments are fighting amongst each other but they are in uh, overall unity in that sense so yeah and they're, they're all willing to backstab one another Yep. That that plays into the whole like there's you know the double sided coin, the two sides of the coin, and the controlled opposition, all that. Yeah, double headed eagle. And we read in Enoch where it talks about when he was going through the the first was well, the first heaven where the the fallen angels were, and it was all it was just chaotic. They were all fighting against each other. Yeah, this has been awesome. I just really appreciate you guys okay. allowing okay. me to come on. Yeah, Rick, so it's uh, 11 o'clock. We've been on for two hours, and I don't want to keep you any longer. Do you have any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to sum up? Tread prayerfully. Tread prayerfully. No matter what rabbit hole you go into, uh, go into it prayerfully so that you know that he's the one leading your, your path in any of this and be willing to share your information, be willing to question, be willing to test all things. That's what we're here for. This is a learning experience, whether or not it's the millennial reign, uh, you know, post millennial reign or whatever that our job is, the, the job is, is always the same thing. And it's not a job. It's a passion and it's to love him more than anyone or anything. And to continue to keep a humble heart and, like he said, 
you know, love God and love your neighbor. And uh, there's no better there's no better way to show your love to somebody than tell them the truth, regardless of what they're going to think of you. Uh, you do it out of love. Thank you, Mr. Hummer, for coming by tonight. And that was very informative and uh, enjoyable. And uh, yeah, I loved it. So I, we started out with prayer. And would somebody here like to volunteer to close us with a prayer? Anybody at all? I guess. Uh, anyone? Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> Rob, go for it. All right, thank you. Father, we give thanks for this time that we have and coming together and speaking about these things uh, as we seek out the truth and we all are sharing our thoughts and where we're at and the findings that we, that we are, are, are given. And Father, may you continue us down the path. May we stay in prayer and be not deceived and, and walk, as, as Rick said, tread carefully in these things so that we are not deceived. But uh, be open and do these things and sharing them in love. And Father, may you continue to be with us and guide us in our walk. And may we do this with each other and our family and friends and do it all in love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, great. So we'll do this again Excellent. next week. Man, thanks again. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We will do this again next week. And. We are going through this summer series of reading extra biblical literature, which I will continue and hopefully we'll uh, touch on another book next week. However, uh, starting out next week, I do have, as promised before, some more mud flood information to share, uh, which will include a touching on an extra biblical book or a text. And the following week, so in two weeks, I will also have some more uh, scriptural research to dig into, which I hinted at a little bit tonight, but I'm going to be taking it in depth and showing scripture of what actually went down, uh, like the rebellion that went down during the millennial reign. So uh, we will see you again, everyone again next Thursday. And thank you for coming tonight. You guys are free to continue uh, talking, converse as late as you want, but we are officially closing the uh, class. Class is no longer in session. So, shalom, everybody.